Welcome to the Lincoln Square Presbyterian online worship for April 5th. And as you hopefully see and recognize, it's Palm Sunday, the Sunday in which we remember and celebrate Jesus entering into Jerusalem amidst cries of Hosanna and celebrating him as the king. And so we gather to do that, and it's a special way to include the, the congregation at this time. We'll have a, a video of a palm procession that people send in photos or videos from home. Also, Gina Papura will be reading uh, the call to worship and the scripture lesson from her, her home as part of the service. Just a couple of announcements to invite you into the life of the church. Uh, Holy Week is coming, and as we enter Holy Week, uh, we have different services that you can be a part of through Zoom online. There will be a Monday, Thursday, and a Good Friday service at 8 o'clock. Also, if you would like to receive Easter Communion, uh, the information is in the uh, church email, or if you have questions or want to reach out, you can go to the website or contact the church office and they'll tell you more about the Holy Week services or what's going on for Easter. One final announcement is that when we gather for worship, we do so in response to Christ's welcome and his generosity. And so I want to invite you to take a moment now, even to pause the video, to respond to his welcome, to turn, if you're worshiping with others, to welcome them in Christ's name or to send a text, an email to somebody, or offer a quick prayer peace for somebody. And in response to Christ's generosity, I invite you to give. You can go to the church website to see how to give online. And I especially want to highlight the Benevolence Fund. This is a fund that allows the deacons to care for neighbors or the church community. And so if you have need, to let us know that we can support you, or I invite you to give uh, generously to that fund. We gather to celebrate our King who has come to us, and as we get ready to do that, let's take a moment of quiet to prepare for worship. Good morning. Our call to worship is from Luke 19. When Jesus drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away and found it just as he had told them. And they brought it to Jesus and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road, and the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out.
for a prayer of invocation. And as, as mentioned in weeks past, I invite you to take a moment to stop the video and 
reflect for yourself and how you're doing, or if you're worshiping with others, to check in with each other. I'll lead us in prayer, then have some time of quiet for your, at the end for your own personal time of confession or bringing your needs to God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you've called us to come and to worship, and we speak uh, these words from your people long ago. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. It is right to praise you, God, for the acts of love by which you have redeemed us in your Son, Jesus. And as we gather, we remember on this day, Jesus entering into Jerusalem in celebration as he was proclaimed King of Kings, our long-awaited hope. That he was celebrated by those who spread their garments and branches of palms along his way. And we pray that these branches would be to us a sign of his victory, a reminder of his work for us. And we pray that you grant to us as we bear these palms in his name, that we would follow him in the way of life. Even as we celebrate you, Jesus, and your victory over sin and death, we come to you with heavy hearts. We come as those covered in lament and uncertainty, well aware of our need and our powerlessness. Help us to cry out to you our need for your rescue. Lord, we speak the words from Psalm 143. Hear our prayer, O Lord. Give ear to our pleas for mercy. We stretch out our hands to you. Our soul thirsts for you like parched land. We stretch out our hands to you as we worry over provision and resources. We stretch out our hands to you as more and more become sick. We thirst for you and stretch out our hands to you as the number of our neighbors dying from this virus increases. Lord, in your tender love, you sent your Son, the King of Kings, King Jesus, to take upon himself our nature and our need, to suffer death upon the cross for us. Lord, we thank you that you've come to establish your kingdom, and we acknowledge that your kingdom is different than the ways of this world Jesus, you tell us that the way of true life is taking up our cross and following you. You tell us that all who seek to save their lives will lose them, but all who lay down their lives for your sake will find true abiding life. You tell us it's possible to gain the whole world, but forfeit or lose ourselves. And Lord, you tell us that we as your followers are not to lord over others, or to use them for our purposes but that the greatest in your kingdom is the one who has come to serve. And so, Lord, we pray by your Spirit that you would empower us to walk in your ways, that we'd be a people that express your generosity and service to our families, to our co-workers, to our neighbors, to one another. And, Lord, we acknowledge and pray at this time for those who are sick and suffering We pray for those who are grieving loved ones. We pray and we remember especially those who are receiving treatment or are hospitalized but cannot be visited by loved ones at this time because of restrictions. We pray for our medical personnel and others who work to heal and to help. We pray for their protection and strength 
And we pray for their families, that you protect them and strengthen them during this time. Lord, we pray for those whose livelihood is threatened by businesses closing, for those who face the stress of financial uncertainties or lost wages. And we think of those who struggle as they seek to manage businesses or manage employees and support them at this time. We pray for families as we learn to live and work together in close quarters. We pray for those who would feel unsafe in their own homes. And Lord, we especially stop and we pray for our mission partners, those who are bringing your kingdom forth. We think of World Relief that's ministering to the refugee community here in Chicago, and we think also of the Friendship Center, our local food pantry that's providing for people in the midst of their food insecurity, or Breakthrough Urban Ministry that's caring for those who are stuck in the place of poverty. Lord, help the support and service they bring, bring light into darkness. Thank you that you hear our prayers. And we stop, pop now, pause now to let you offer your own prayers of need or confession to God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please sing with us again at home.
Today's Old Testament lesson is from Zechariah 9, verses 9 through 17. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea, and from, from the river to the ends of the earth. And for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double. For I have bent Judah as my bow. I have made Ephraim its arrow. I will stir up your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece, and wield you like a warrior's sword. Then the Lord will appear over them, and his arrow will go forth like lightning. The Lord God will sound the trumpet and will march forth in the whirlwinds of the south. The Lord of hosts will protect them, and they shall devour and tread down the sling stones, and they shall drink and roar as if drunk with wine, and be full like a bowl, drenched like the corners of the altar. On that day, the Lord their God will save them as the flock of his people, for like the jewels of a crown, they shall shine on his land. For how great is his goodness and how great his beauty. Grain shall make the young men flourish, and new wine the young women. The New Testament lesson is from Revelation 7, verses 9 through 12. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm thankful for a chance to look at God's word with you today. And as it's Palm Sunday, we'll be looking at a passage that tells of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, uh, Matthew 21, 1 through 11. But before I read that for us, just want to take a moment to reflect on Palm Sunday and how it is a day, uh, whether it's something we remember from time in church in the past or something that we're new to, it's a day that invites us to all sorts of, of images, the image of of children processing, of waving palm branches, of music that is anticipating and celebrating Jesus, 
And these church images are images that are finding their connection in the story of Scripture, that Jesus enters into Jerusalem riding upon a donkey. Palm branches are cut and they're waving. There's loud songs of praise sung by people. Jackets lay down on the road to make a path. All of these things coming together for us to imagine this loud and chaotic and joyful parade entering into Jerusalem. All of these actions serve to say we are celebrating and we are valuing this person as highly as we can. This person lifted above the walking crowd is worthy of devotion and affection and sacrifice. But as we picture that, if you're picturing that scene, remembering things in your mind, I want us to ask as we enter into our sermon and passage, how do we celebrate? How do we celebrate when we are apart? We come to Palm Sunday at a unique time in our individual and collective lives. So what does it mean to celebrate in the midst of loss, separation, or fear, in the midst of uncertainty and mourning? During a recent news conference, Governor Pritzker, the governor of Illinois, said it was normal for everyone to feel sad right now. In directly addressing students, he said, I, try, I, I won't try and tell you not to be sad about lost goals or plans that you may have had. It's okay to be sad. And if you do feel sad or frustrated or angry, please let yourself feel that way. In addition to the loss of plans and goals, we can add our fear and our sorrow as we hear that the next week or two will be especially hard. We worry for ourselves and those we love. We worry about the sick. We worry for our medical professionals. We mourn the number of deceased as they continue to grow. So what does it mean to celebrate? What does it mean to sing Hosanna in the midst of sorrow and loss? My hope is that we will see that Palm Sunday actually invites us into this tension. For we see Jesus loved, touched, celebrated with joy. But all this is happening as he is surrounded by hearts ready to abandon him, plots to kill him, and schemes to betray him. The parade takes place in a hurting and unstable world. The parade participants and those watching from the sidelines are marked with sadness and double-mindedness, fear and worry. And in the midst of all of this, in the midst of it, is Jesus, the one who draws near and enters the tension humble, mounted on a donkey. He arrives, having predicted in Jerusalem, I will suffer, be rejected, and put to death. You see, the tension affirms that celebration does not mean denying or ignoring our laments. Rather, in the midst of them, the songs and the parade acknowledge that there is something more, something that tells us that we're not alone, that we have someone to celebrate, someone in which we can direct our hearts, our fears, our hopes, and our songs. I hope that we can gather around that person today. Let's read from Matthew 21 as we hear of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage 
to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on, put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. This is God's word given for our good. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you've gathered us to hear your word, and we pray by your spirit that you would move us to understand it and to receive it and to respond in faith, that we may cry out to you and find you worthy to rescue us. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, for our sermon, I want to have two parts, two, two questions. The first question is, what is this celebration? What's happening? And the second question is, how do we join? What would it mean for us to join, especially in our current circumstances? So let's start by asking, what is this celebration? And for us to understand and appreciate what's happening, we have to start before the donkey and before the palms arrive on the scene. See, the feast of Passover has set Jesus and his neighbors in motion. Passover is the annual celebration of God's victory over Egypt to release his people from oppression. The Passover was the climax of God's plagues upon Egypt, and it marked the release, the freeing of the chains of the Jews from slavery under Pharaoh. Now, many years later, Jerusalem is swelling, swelling with visitors, with pilgrims and travelers, and they come to remember God's action for them. And Jesus is one of these pilgrims. He's making his way to Jerusalem. He's coming from the north, walking to the city. And as he does so, he passes through Jericho. And there he heals two blind men. And as a result, the crowd around him grows and they travel with him towards Jerusalem. And Jesus continues on. And after days of travel, Jesus, his disciples, and the crowd that's following arrive at Bethpage a village on the ridge of the Mount of Olives, about a mile from Jerusalem. After walking many miles at this point, at this location, Jesus sees Jerusalem, the target of his travels. But before entering the city, he pauses on the Mount of Olives. For this was a special place. From the Mount, the prophetic story said that the Lord himself, the Lord himself, will come to redeem Israel from the hands of her oppressors to break her chains. 
And so it's standing in this special place of promise that Jesus knows it is time for him to very clearly reveal his identity, who he is. And so he doesn't just enter Jerusalem, doesn't just walk in, but he intentionally evokes the story of God saving his people and he places himself at the center of it. This week I saw a story in the Chicago Tribune about body language during online meetings. (laughs) It was titled, What Are You Really Saying? Those working remotely should think about their digital body language. And what I learned from the article, it asks, you know, how do you hold yourself? What emojis do you use? How do you announce yourself in the meeting? Apparently, this suggests that it's not helpful or it sends a wrong message in a meeting to slouch to lay your head down on the table next to your computer, to eat, or to lay a recline on couch during a Zoom meeting. So some things to note if that's helpful to you. (laughs) I mentioned this article, this idea of unintentional communication with our bodies as a way of contrast to what Jesus is doing here. He is not unintentional. Rather, what we are invited to see is that he is intentionally creating a symbolic movement that says who he is and how he fits with what God is doing. That's why Matthew tells us about the prophets, the, the words of old. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold your salvation, your king comes to you humble, riding on a donkey. You see, that's why Jesus sends his disciples to go and secure the donkey, this animal. You see, riding from the Mount of Olives, seated upon a donkey, Jesus enters into Jerusalem as the fulfillment of the ancient promise. The Lord himself will come to redeem his people. The Lord himself will come. And Jesus sets this forth as a clear, symbolic act. And it's for this reason that as Jesus makes this claim about who he is and what he's doing, it's for this reason that the crowd responds the way they do. The way why they're so quick to jump into this parade of celebration You see what our passage tells us, that after the securing the donkey, the disciples take their cloaks, their jackets, and put them on the animal to create a a saddle for Jesus to encourage him in this symbolic action. Next, the crowd spreads their cloaks on the dirt road. And it's worth noting that most likely, most of the people in that crowd had only one jacket. And now they lay this precious item in the dirt, laying it in the dirt for a donkey to walk upon. It doesn't take much imagining or thought to imagine the potential for a great mess that this jacket might never be the same. The crowds not only lay down their coats, but they climb into the trees and cut down branches and begin waving them as a sign of honor and respect, celebrating and valuing this person as as highly as they can, that this one is worthy of our devotion, worthy of our celebration. And to add to that royal expression, They add a song as well. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. What does this mean? They're saying what they are saying is, Hosanna, God save. God save the Son of David. God give life and success to this one who is coming. Make effective his work for us. 
Hosanna in the highest is saying, God, save in the best way, the deepest way. We need you to reach all the way down to the depths of what is broken. What is this celebration? That's the first question we asked. And we see that Jesus uses symbolic images to claim that he is God's king come to rescue God's people. And the people respond in kind, laying down their coats and branches, singing songs of welcome and salvation. So having heard what this celebration is, the, the second part, the second question we can ask is, how do we join this celebration? What would it mean for us to join, especially in this time of uncertainty? Well, I want to highlight two, two ideas, two aspects. The first one being that our place, if we want to find our place in this image, this scene, this parade, our place is to join the crowd. To, to recognize what Jesus is saying by his actions, what he's saying about himself, and to respond. And to respond primarily by offering ourselves or to offering our songs, especially to songs that have been given to us here. Jesus, Son of David, who comes in the name of the Lord, Rescue me. Have mercy on me. There was a journalist from a long ago, or beginning of the 1900s, I should say, named James Norman Hall. And he was a journalist beginning his career at the start of World War I. And as he was looking for opportunities to write about the war, he was sent on assignment to France. In particular, he was sent to report on those who were volunteering to participate in the air defense of France. There was a a group called the Lafayette Squad that was flying over France trying to defend it during the war. And James Hall, this journalist, he saw what was happening. He was moved by the volunteers offering their life and service. And so he abandons writing a story and he himself volunteers and became a pilot and became one of a highly decorated aviator during the war. As the one person mentioned, he went rogue, <laughs> leaving behind his journalist assignment and joining the fight. I tell that story for us to imagine as we receive this account of Palm Sunday. We hear about this parade from long ago, and we can see it from a distance or this historic event For us to join, what we are invited to in this moment is to hear that Jesus' symbolic entry is an invitation to you and to me today. Today. To join, to sing, to find our place, to give our attention to Jesus. And when we cry out, to make the song our own. Not just to hum along, but to let the words be the words of our soul. God, please. God, please reach to the deepest places with your grace and with your rescuing power. Save me. We're invited to join, to ask the question, do we believe such words? Do we believe such cries are true to who we are or what we need? The word quarantine comes from an Italian word that described a practice that's first recorded in 1377. It required sailors who were returning from sea to stay on board for 40 days to make sure that they did not bring with them to shore any latent diseases. 
40 days. It's a meaningful number. 40 days at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, he went for 40 days in the wilderness to face temptation and to affirm his identity as the Son of God. The season of Lent, if you don't count the Sundays, is 40 days, meant to echo Jesus' time in the wilderness. And Lent invites us to honestly explore our condition, to look at our mortality and our need, to consider our sin and failure, to reflect on our faith or who we are. Quarantine. I ask you to consider our current 40 days, sheltering apart in home, whether it's in our family dynamics, whether it's in work responsibilities, whether it's worry over our needs or money or our sudden isolation and loneliness. All of us, all of us in some ways are being forced to deal with ourselves or with our relationships or with our needs in ways that we not, do not normally do so. That we're being required in ways that are unusual to see ourselves and what's happening around us or in us, to see those things in deep and meaningful ways. To feel the challenge of our fears, to see how we might hurt one another with impatience or anger, to seek our desires, our desperate desire for a sense of control or to to feel overwhelmed with worries. Our time is a chance to look at ourselves. And Palm Sunday, even in the midst of loud and expressive celebration, invites us to face our condition and face the challenges and the sorrows of the world. Psalm 143, I mentioned in a prayer of invocation, it, it echoes the song of Hosanna. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my pleas for mercy. I stretch out my hands to you. To join the crowd is to begin to know what it means to have these needs and to stretch out your hands beyond yourself to God. And we can cry out to God. We can ask God to forgive us or to meet us in our deepest places because God has come humbly in Jesus. Come humbly to sinners, to the double-minded. Come humbly to comfort those who are fearful and those who mourn. You see, the first idea of joining the crowd leads us to the second aspect I want us to see is that Jesus, the King, comes to us in humility. The prophets together promised that the King would come to save Jerusalem, would come not in a show of might or power, but in humility. One author suggests that this scene of Jesus on the donkey is him arriving not in a tank, but riding in on a tractor. Now, I don't know if that's a good image or not, but it invites us to grasp the humility in which he arrives. And this humility does not mean Jesus has no power or authority, but rather what it means and why we can cry out to him is that he's committed to use his power not for himself, but for you and for me, for his people. It's not an army, it's not the rich or the famous who joined the celebration that day. It's his disciples. It's the crowds who are moved by him. A group of fishermen, common folk, sinners. At least we know of one hated tax collector. They're making up the parade. 
and to say, Hosanna, save us. They say it to one who has come humbly and who comes to identify with his people. A people marked with weakness, with sin, and with need. I received a, an email this week from a publication asking what I'm going to do this weekend. <laughs> it asked, what book will I read? What show will I watch? Where will I take my walk? These are all fine questions and maybe ones that we need to keep before us at this time. But the reality is that we have deeper questions in our hearts. What if I or someone I love becomes sick? What do I do if my finances or my savings that I work so hard now seem uncertain? What do I do if I feel like I cannot do this another day? How shall we bear it? How shall we bear it? Jesus' humility, his identification with us is key as a source of hope. As time goes by, we have to especially be reminded of Jesus' promise that when he enters into Jerusalem, it is a sign that he has come. And he says to you and to me, I will be with you always to the end of the days. The presence of God is our faith. It is our hope. God with us. The Savior has bound himself to us by his grace and by his work. He is the one who has come to lay down his life for those who know sorrow and lament. I am with you all your days. Which days? The days when we feel lonely, the days when it gets so dark and discouraging that we can't even think of God, the days in which we are discouraged by our impatience, by our quick tempers, by all the foolish things that we have done or failed to do. In all these days, remember this, it is into this setting, into these days, into these hours that your Savior enters. It is into this tension, into this hurt and brokenness that he rides forth into this place, arriving humbly to save. Therefore, what does it mean to celebrate and to sing Hosanna at this time? It means to honestly turn our attention and give praise to say that there is someone worthy of our hopes and our fears, someone worthy of our songs from the deepest places within us. At the heart of this is one who is worthy of our devotion, of our sacrifice, of our lives. Our celebration does not mean that we deny or ignore our laments or our worries or our sorrows. Rather, it's in the midst of them, the songs and the parade acknowledge that there is someone other than ourselves. Someone who has drawn near to us with power and forgiveness. For Jesus, when he comes into Jerusalem, he's coming into the midst of his people. And he's coming to identify with them and lay down his life for them. I am with you now and for all days. This is the promise of Christ and his work. Let us turn to him with our shouts of celebration and with our longings for help. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are. And we thank you, Lord, that you're with us. Please comfort us by your spirit and through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. very welcome to sing along with us at home. Mm-hmm.
Receive now God's blessing. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be found blameless at the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen.